One of the most remarkable careers in fundraising and philanthropy has so much to teach us about donor motivation. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the Fundraising School, and I'm joined today by Kurt Simic, who is President Emeritus of the Indiana University Foundation, an organization that he led for such a long time and had remarkable growth, met with so many donors and major donors to lift the IU Foundation into one of the premier fundraising organizations in the country. And Kurt has taken his learnings along with a colleague, Sandra Bate and created a book, The Spirit of Generosity. And in this book, Kurt and Sandra look at 13 different donors and what we can learn about their motivations. And Kurt, it is a privilege to be with one of the all-time greats in our field. I'm with a Hall of Famer. If this were Mount Rushmore, you would be there. You so are thank overstating you for being with us. the whole thing, Bill, Yeah, I don't that's think fine. so. It's, I don't it's, think so. It's, it's a pleasure, and I appreciate uh, being asked to be a part of this, this conversation. Because it all started out with Sandy Bate, who was mm -hmm. our creative services director at the IU Foundation uh, during my time. She said, you need to write a biography because there's so much to learn from the experience you've had. I said, what a waste of time. People would be so bored with a biography. Let's talk about the donors. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the people who, who have made enormous impact, who've had enormous impact on the university, student by student, faculty by faculty, facility by facility. Those are the ones that, that matter, and that's the conversation. Now, the tough thing, you mentioned 13, 13, uh, getting to 13 from what could have been 1,300 right. was difficult. Some were, were natural, uh, but the, the head of the IU Press said, you can only do 12. We, <laughs> we only got it down to 13 because there was one lady that we didn't want to leave out who was the principal and a teacher, an elementary teacher in Franklin, Indiana. Mm. And she, modest means, but what she did philanthropically enabled people to learn how to use technology in the classroom. That was her thing. And so each of the stories has, has a little bit of that uh, in it. And so we got to 13. Uh, I felt really guilty that that's where we were mm -hmm. because it could have been any number. Right. It caused me to call the Bicentennial office and say, is there any way that we can give people an opportunity to tell, tell their stories? And they said, we have a funded position. So they're doing oral histories, and they are now up to about 1,700. Wonderful. And their idea is to do 2020 by 2020, which I think is fantastic. It took the guilt off my conscience a little bit, too, because all these stories could have been. And, and I did suggest to them certain people that they, could, that they might interview, and it turned out to be a great pleasure for the people who were interviewed to be uh, able to record their own messages about why they did what they did uh, with the university. So as you and Sandy put this book together, the focus is on the donor. You must be a fundraiser <laughs> focusing on the donor, Guess not what? on yourself. And that, of course, is so central to our profession. And your words are chosen carefully. The title is The Spirit of Generosity. There's all sorts of aspects of generosity. Why the spirit? What is that telling us about this book? Well, it's, it's really trying to capture the motivation. What were they trying to do? Who were they trying to help? What was the impact that they were trying to help have? And one of the things that's true about people of means is they can do anything they want to do. They could put them any, any place that they wanted to do it. So what we were after was why this effort, why mm -hmm. Indiana University was chosen. And by the way, it touches on all the campuses. Mm -hmm. There are regional campus people mentioned here. There are IU people, IUPOI people mentioned as well as, as, well as Bloomington. And, and that was deliberate too because that spirit permeates the state and, and it permeates our whole uh, constituency, if you will. I, the Hoosiers have a set of values, I think, that are expressed here. And my view is the first of those values is, uh, is we're willing to work. We, we want to earn our way. Two, 
we're respectful, we're communicative, we're inclusive. Three, we're compassionate, but we have to have compassion with impact. Because it isn't enough to say, gee, isn't that too bad? Isn't that too bad, but what are we going to do about it? Yeah, if we're going to earn our way, it sounds like we want our giving to have the same type of There result. you are. There you are. That's exactly it. So that's, what, that's what's behind this. The, the whole idea was just to capture some of that. And each of the people that, that we spent time with, uh, it, it was such an enormous pleasure. Now, some of them had passed away. Mm. And so, but we, we spoke to, we knew them well because I worked with them over the, over the many years, but we also spoke to widows and widowers and various people that knew them and, and let them be a part of telling the story of their, of their, of their spouse or whoever it might have been. Kurt, one of the 13 people featured is Cindy Simon Scott from one of the more uh, prosperous families in the nation and in the world. Mm -hmm. And then you also mentioned a school teacher from the small town of Franklin, Indiana. Mm -hmm. It sounds like there are a diversity of people in this book. Deliberately. Yeah, help us understand De the Deliberately. The whole idea was you don't have to be rich, rich to have impact. Uh, you can do things philanthropically that help people. And as long as it reflects what your interests are, it's fine. Uh, I mentioned this teacher from Franklin, Indiana. Her whole thing was technology is now something we have to use in the classroom. And if we don't teach teachers through teacher education how to use the technology, they're missing a whole dimension. So that was her focus, which was I think a pretty amazing thing and she was a she was a live wire when we'd go to vi visit with her we always ate at Bob Evans <laughs> yes and every time we were at Bob Evans somebody came uh, up to tell her uh, uh, how much she meant in their in her life or his life and she became a teacher because of you those kinds of things so that's a piece of the spirit too the spirit of what they were doing and how they how they impacted the lives of people, so it was it was great fun. Cindy, Cindy's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I, I, the the generosity of that family is just astounding, and it isn't just what Cindy did, but it's what Mel did and what he enabled his children to do mm -hmm. and his grandchildren to do. It's it's a spirit that lives on, and I think the great part of that is it came right from Mel. How do you learn these donor motivations? What advice do you have for our fundraising audience watching or listening to this podcast? Uh, and again, each of these 13 stories tells a particular aspect of donor motivation. And again, the book is The Spirit of Generosity by Kurt Simic and Sandra Bate. The book is available anywhere you purchase a book, uh, online and so forth. It's from Indiana University Press. Uh, and again, each of these 13 stories tell a particular part of donor motivation. So encourage people to, to learn about those. How do you discern that? How long does that take? What advice do you have for our audience? Well, the biggest and most important thing is to be a listener. Mm -hmm. uh, people will tell you what's on their minds and what is important to them. And once you identify what's important to them, then you link them up with something. We're so comprehensive as a university. Any area of interest can be developed further by getting a faculty member to talk a little bit about what they're doing to impact what that potential donor uh, wants to wants to impact and so the most important thing is to listen uh, the other thing is to is to not rush things mm -hmm. is to to let it take its natural pace in most cases people who are in this book have been giving for years and so you've got a you've got a list of people that can be a part of any kind of a story about philanthropy and that tells you that they've raised their hands that they care about uh, the next generation, that they care about research, that they care about Indiana University and all of, its, all of its incarnations. And when you have that, it's a matter of just finding a way to have a conversation with them. And that's not hard. You start by thanking them, and you go to see them and visit with them. 
one of the staff members at the foundation came to me a few years ago, uh, Loretta's her name, and she said, do you know that we have 2,000 people who have been giving through the telephone for 25 straight years? Wow. I said, wow, what are we gonna do with that? Mm. And we started talking about it. I, we finally came down to say, let's go to see them to thank them. And we'll give them a clock, a little modest clock that says, thank you for your generosity. And we give them a clock and, and the answer, the first thing is, you're not asking them for anything. All you're doing is going to tell them thank you. Well, when somebody's given to you for 25 years, they're committed and they are ready to tell you, this is why I gave and here's what I'm thinking beyond that. Well, that gives you a, a group of people that is, that is ready to hear more. And if you hear what they're saying to you about what their interests are, then you begin to match those things up. As soon as I know what your interest is, I want to bring you in contact with a faculty member who's doing what it is you're interested in. Fundraisers, we're just the technicians. We're the people that kind of put the thing together. But the sooner I can get you as a potential donor in front of or in the company of a faculty member who's doing what you're interested in, sparks fly. And we also have a huge advantage. They're called our students who continue to amaze us every single day and who the donors love to support. Kurt, as, as we summarize here, and I know this comes across in the book, what I love is you're teaching us today is this wonderful reminder that fundraising is not a transaction. As we teach in the fundraising school, donors are not walking wallets, ATM machines, low-hanging fruit, all these horrible <laughs> terms that we hear sometimes mm -hmm. uh, in our profession. These are real people with heartbeats and DNA and passion and values. And it's sounding to me that's what you're capturing in this book. Boy, that's the perfect, that's the perfect summary of the thing. We have to stay away from being transactional. We have to be relationship building. We have to let people feel the impact that they're having. And once we have that moving and we have that conversation going, it never stops. It, you mentioned the Simon family. Well, the, the number of gifts they gave over time is huge. And what we have to find out is what's their motivation? I have a little story, and I know you're, you're, uh, our time is limited, but I have a little story that's Please. called Take the Bench. Yeah. Somebody will come in and say, I want to put a bench on the campus, and we'll say, oh my gosh, another bench. That's just what we need is another bench. But you take the bench because they'll come and sit on it. Mm -hmm. They'll bring their children. They'll bring their grandchildren. And once you take the bench, there's a conversation going on. And then the next thing is, well, this is what I'm also interested in. And the next thing is this. The, the, the Simon Scott family, for example, the bench was Hillel. They were mm -hmm. very interested in Hillel. The next thing was uh, to do something in honor of their mother who passed away, who sang in the synagogue. And that became the School of Music. The next thing was the, the Interdisciplinary Science Building. The next thing was the Cancer Center. The next thing was the Riley children, or the Riley family, the Simon Scott, I guess it's a Simon, the Simon family tower at Riley mm -hmm, Children's mm -hmm, Hospital. Mm -hmm. And then it became Assembly Hall. And it, it doesn't end if they get satisfaction. So the sequence is identify who cares, inform them of what you're trying to do, involve them in the process, and they will invest. And then the stewardship is to say to them, this is what you did, this is the impact it had that we promised it would have, and we're reporting back to you then the relationship continues. What a great story and what a great uh, inspiration for all of us. Obviously, uh, Cindy Simon Scott's gift uh, to the Assembly Hall is the one that gets the headlines mm -hmm. uh, because but it's this large building, it's sports, uh, it's, it's all the things that that building means for the centrality of that major campus. Uh, and actually, we use a video from her gift announcement in our major gifts course Wasn't to help that tease fun? out donor <laughs> motivations. Mm -hmm. 
but it was gift number six. I was keeping mm -hmm. track there as mm -hmm. you were telling that story. It wasn't mm -hmm. the first gift, mm -hmm. it was gift number six. And gift number one was uh, a religious ministry on campus that was meaningful to that family. And you could also say it even preceded that because she's an alum. Uh, she talks about when she makes that gift, all the children and cousins and extended family are who, students. Who participated. And that's why Hillel was important to begin that's with, right. which then led over time that's to right. the assembly hall. So she, she also came through the Student Foundation Program. Oh, which is to teach philanthropy. The whole idea of you think it's the bike races. That's all. It's all about teaching philanthropy. Mm. And she came through that program. Kurt Simic, uh, we are so privileged to have you with us on this first day from the Fundraising School podcast. Again, the book, The Spirit of Generosity. Kurt Simic, S-I-M-I-C, and Sandra Bate. Uh, the book is available anywhere that you purchase books. Now, with the Fundraising School, we have 20 courses, including that major gifts course. We have four certificates now, including the new Certificate in Fundraising Leadership to go along with our Certificate in Fundraising Management. We also have one in partnership with SPIA uh, that takes care of nonprofit management and a new fundraising on college or a new certificate on college sports fundraising as well. Now we can bring custom training right to your nonprofit, your association, your region. We design that and tailor that training specifically for you. We have quarterly webinars and of course these free weekly podcasts. All the information available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu. philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more up to date on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.